When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. What up, everybody? This is Rob Brandt. And this is Rick Brandt. And we are the Brothers Brandt. Welcome back Episode 37, Cruising Along. We are in cruise control, Rick. We got content coming out of our ears. We don't know what to do with it, except put it on this podcast. Episode 36 was a flashback. The Elvis Costello, the police, and the brothers Brant were born. If you haven't listened to that one, check it out. But now here, here we are, episode 37, A Day in the Life of a U.S. Open ball person, part one, we have no idea how many parts we're going to do. Now, (laughs) for those of you listening, let me just give you the scoop. My brother, Rick Brandt, genius, uh, you know, uh, started uh, uh, applying for all these jobs and applied for a job for the U.S. Open through teamwork. Shout out, Buffy. Much love. And um, got the job as the U.S open ball person so rick is on the court with serena williams rafael nadal roger federer djokovic everybody he's on the court with them throwing them tennis balls so let me put that in context this man rick brandt found the way because of his devotion to sports and you know community wanted to get involved at the u.s open nobody can be there Nobody can purchase a ticket. If you are Warren Buffett, Steve, if you're Warren Buffett, if you are ridiculously loaded, you can't even purchase a ticket to sit courtside at the U.S. Open. But my man, my bro, found a way to get on the court at the U.S. Open. So big round of applause to you, Ricky. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And we're going to dive deep into this episode. Uh, Rick, I'm going to come up for air right now. Anything you want to say before I do a little history on these? 
Absolutely. Well, listen, a lot of work went into this. I'm currently in the U.S. Open bubble here in Queens, New York. It is an unbelievable experience. Rob, you and I have traveled to sporting events all over the world. We've seen every sport you could possibly think of. Um, tennis is not one that we regularly go to. We've been to tennis matches before. We appreciate the sport. But spending the last week and a half and the next two weeks already, I've got a tremendous amount of appreciation for the sport, the athletes, everything that goes into the game of tennis. So let's unpack it and uh, let's, let's do this because I think this is going to be a phenomenal episode that our listeners are going to love. Incredible episode. I mean, people are just loving it on Instagram. They're, they're watching you. They are watching the U.S. Open and the Cincinnati Masters more so than ever to watch Rick Brandt shuffle along the baseline getting the balls. So, And we're going to talk about those fantastic hands you have, best hands in the league. Uh, we're going to talk about those. Uh, but, you know, let's do a little history. So, uh, interesting scenario. Rick is up in Queens, New York right now for the Cincinnati Masters. Follow me on this one. It's the Cincinnati Masters hosted by the Western and Southern Financial Group. So this is an outdoor tennis court that usually takes place in Cincinnati. But due to COVID, they decided to move everything to Queens, which is very interesting. They poured millions of dollars into advertising. And when you go along the uh, advertisements, it'll actually say Cincinnati on the banners, even though it's in Queens. So a little fun fact there. This tournament has been going on since September 18, 1899. It's the oldest tennis tournament in the United States played in its original city. The, te- the tournament is the second largest summer tennis event in the U.S. after the U.S. Open. And it's the uh, men's, men's portion. It's uh, part of the nine elite masters tournaments. And the women, this is uh, one of five of their premier tournaments. So this is a big deal. Okay, and then followed that by the U.S. Open. So the U.S. Open is going to follow this tournament. And the U.S. Open has been being played uh, since 1881. So it's the oldest tennis tournament in the United States. It's the tennis championship. Started in Newport, Rhode Island, found its way to New York, and then moved out to Flushing, Queens, uh, right next to Shea Stadium, City Field. Uh, And this is the fourth and final Grand Slam tournament of the year. The other three in chronological order are the Australian Open, the French Open, Wimbledon, and then you have the U.S. Open. Woo! Coming up for air on that, Rick. Anything you want to add? Rob, you did a great job articulating this unique scenario. All of this is being operated by the United States Tennis Association, which is known as the USTA. The USTA it runs tennis essentially. And unfortunately with COVID, the Cincinnati Open was one of those events that kind of got nixed. It was canceled. And the people there in Cincinnati, the organizers certainly were disappointed with the situation, but the USTA, the folks in Cincinnati, and even the guys here in Queens running the US Open, they all got together, they collaborated. And like you said, We've been doing the Cincinnati Western and Southern Open for the last week and a half. Championships are going to be played on Saturday. 
we will all take Sunday off and then start Monday, August 31st, we will have the U.S. Open and that'll go until the championships, which will be when, excuse me, women's on the 12th of September and the men's on the 13th of September. So we've got an action-packed couple of weeks. It's a lot of fun being here in this bubble, Rob. What do you got for me, brother? All right, we got a lot to unpack. This is going to be a fun episode, bro. Fun episode. All right, so what was the interview process like to get this ball person job? Sure. So it is 100% because of COVID-19 that your boy, your brother, myself, is in Queens right now. Because typically, historically, what happens is, and this is crazy, this is like, really, I think so amazing. But this job, being a U.S. Open ball person, is a very coveted spot. Hundreds, and sometimes in a few recent years, thousands of individuals from the tri-state area make their way to Queens, and they physically try out audition for the position in the month of May and June, and with the hopes that they'll be selected as one of the few individuals come September working the U.S. Open. But because of COVID-19, there was no in-person tryouts this year. So back in May, early June, I saw online the application for this position, which I just thought was hysterical. And all it required was a two-minute video submission. You didn't even have to send in a resume. It was just a two-minute video, why you thought you'd be a great ball person. And within that two minutes, I, I articulated why I felt like I'd be great for the job. A couple weeks went by. And next thing I know, I got selected out of thousands of contestants, apparently, this year to be one of the handful of new ball persons. Because, Rob, there are a lot of returning ball persons. Let's just call it 100 ball persons. 85 of them are back from previous years. I'm one of 15 tops that are new guys. So uh, pretty cool stuff. A lot of fun to be a part of and definitely learning a lot. Okay, so we got 100 ball people there, and you were one of 15 selected as the newbie. Did I hear you correctly? That is correct, Amundo. All right, so we got the interview down. You heard back. You got the job. You know, you had to get all the credentials and all that good stuff. Man, so exciting. What's <sighs> basketball and hockey – have executed these bubbles to perfection. What's the tennis bubble like? Sure. So here at Queens um, at the Arthur Ashe, Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is on the premise of the Billie Jean King Tennis Center, where there's 33 tennis courts. I mean, this place is massive. It's a complex, Rob. In fact, it's important to note that the world's three largest tennis stadiums are all on property here at the Billie Jean King Tennis Center. So you've got three huge stadiums plus another 30 tennis courts that are immaculate. In addition to that, it's also important to understand that on any given year, there's typically 
almost a million spectators that come through the grounds during the U.S. Open. So you've got your concession stands, you've got your picnic areas, you've got your luxury suites, not just in the stadium, but around the complex. There's practice tennis courts. I mean, this thing is just a mecca for tennis. And so it's just good to have that background to understand the magnitude of where I'm basically working every day and where all of us are, are centrally located. And so what they've done with the players is they put the players in these two close hotels and as well as the property where the tennis is being played, it's all super tight, super secure. The credentials are top notch. You're scanned a dozen times before you even get to where you need to be. And um, so it is really secure. Every day we're doing COVID-19 testing. There's so many um, precautions in place with hand sanitizer, uh, masks, social distancing. I mean, even when you walk in the cafeteria where they're serving food, which we'll get to in a little bit, it's been phenomenal. Uh, they've got different alleys and directions for people to walk in one ways, so you're not bumping into each other and you're keeping your distance. Uh, they've got uh, restraints on how many people can be in locker rooms at a particular time, so there isn't too many people in one room. It's really well done. I could go on and on. One of the neat things that I've noticed is that Arthur Ashe Stadium is a massive indoor tennis stadium. And the lower bowls, the upper bowls are completely empty. The lower bowls have, which you've seen a lot of Major League Baseball stadiums do, cover their bleachers with signage. And then what here's a unique thing that the U.S. Open has done is they've put the suites, which are typically reserved for high dollar customers and fans, they've put those suites into action this week and for the next couple of weeks, what they've done is they've reserved each suite for a different player. So Serena Williams has her own suite, um, Nadal, uh, Djokovic, uh, everybody's got their own different suite. And it's really cool because early in the morning when you get into Arthur Ashe Stadium, there's a couple people down on the court practicing. And then as the day goes on, those suites start to get filled up and next thing you know, depending on who's practicing around one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, you've got the top 30 tennis players in the world with their entourage, all just watching you from their suites, just relaxing, getting massages. And uh, it's cool, Rob. It's really cool. Man, I love that. You send me pictures every day of what it looks like. And it looks so cool with all the fun different things they have set up for the players to do you know, outside of the games. I mean, just dive a little bit into that. Just quick couple of things that they have. Sure. So on the property, they've set up miniature golf courses, basketball, uh, foot tennis, um, soccer pool. So picture a big like pool table, but on the ground. And then the pool balls are actually mini soccer balls. So you have to kick the balls and hit them into the holes. And uh, it's pretty sweet set up. And there's cabanas that are all basically there for the players to just chill out in. And it's really well done. There's gyms, there's rehab facilities, there's fine dining, there's 
garden areas to chill. It's phenomenal. <laughs> I think you're eating better there than you do at home or ever. So let's dive into that real quick. How is the food situation there? It's exceeded my expectations tremendously. Uh, you've got fish, you've got steak, you've got seafood, you've got, I mean, pastas and chicken and every day. It's not just the basic foods. They, these chefs have gone above and beyond the way that they prepare the meals, the cheesecakes for dessert. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, the fruit smoothies, Rob, it's just incredible. I, am, I would say I'm packing on the pounds, but trust me, as a ball person, you are dripping sweat by the end of the day. You're really getting after it. I feel like I'm back in college, frankly, when I was playing football and going through training camp in the month of August, doing like two a days. And just by the end of the day, you're, 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 you're poop. Yeah. Yeah. And talk about, all right. So we're going to get into your day in the life. We're going to get into like, you know, favorite memories, favorite moments, uh, cool snags you had, but real quick, what's the treatment process? Like you became friends with the treatment people. You got want to give them a shout out. Yeah. Let's talk about recover NYC. Check out recover NYC. These guys are phenomenal. They've got a company based in New York City that essentially is built around professional athletes and also the everyday person that just wants to take care of their body. And I, don't, I, won't, I won't butcher any of the products' names or any of the uh, special treatments that they do do, but I would just say check out recovernyc.com because uh, after a long day, and I go over there and spend an hour with these guys, I feel like I have fresh legs, Rob, and I'm ready to go for the next one. What up, everybody? Sorry to interrupt the regular programming right here, but Rick and I have to pay the bills, so we're going to run an ad. This ad is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the show, guys. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's get into it. Let's get into the details. Walk us through what uh, what your first like match was like. Like, like who, how did it go down? Like, where were you standing? What do you do as a ball person? Yeah. So being out on a tennis court, pretty unique with the athletes. I think the only thing comparable in sports is probably being a bat boy in a Major League Baseball dugout where you're actually having physical interactions, you're providing equipment, and you're facilitating the um, speed of play, essentially. So um, it was super exciting day one. Again, this is the Cincinnati Masters Open. So it's not yet the US Open. It's, this is the first time in history that another tournament's been here, Rob, but it's allowing the organizers, and myself included, as somebody who's a part of the event, to kind of get the feel, the lay of the land in the whole COVID uh, bubble world now because everything's different. Normally there'd be spectators and normally 
on a lot of the smaller matches, there'd still be six ball persons. There'd be line judges, which everybody is used to seeing, but that's not the case. They've actually reduced the amount of ball persons on each court this year to three. So there's only three ball persons on each court with the exception of the premier semifinals, championship matches, and the ones that are on television. So those those matches, they've got your traditional eight ball, per, excuse me, six ball persons with a couple backups as well. Um, but just to get started, as a rookie newbie, I was out there running a three-man crew on day one, and there's two different positions. There's the back position, which I've been living in. I literally have only done the back position, but it's so perfect for my skill set. And I'll get into that in a minute. The other position is the net position. So that's self-explanatory, but basically you're on a knee, ball hits the net, you dart out, pick up that ball, and as quick as possible, get to the other side and get set so that the play can resume and the next serve can be hit. In the back position, you've got a lot going on. You're standing there, very calm, excellent posture, hands behind your back. And depending on if your side, your player is serving, you're holding tennis balls in your hands. If you're not, if your player is not serving, then your hands are empty. But you need to be able to quickly facilitate tennis balls from your end back to the other side. So it's a, it's a real team effort relaying the balls amongst one another another from the back to the net to the other back and when you've got a six-man crew you've also got to make sure that the different people have their tennis balls and are ready to go because nothing is more embarrassing as a ball person to you know not be able to service the players and provide them with the tennis balls when they need them so we're working really hard out there Rob. yeah sounds like the back person has a lot more going on and a lot more responsibility than the netminder. Is that right? I, you know what? I don't want to uh, downplay the importance of a great net person. If, if the net person's paying attention, if there's a lot going on, that I think they're both equally valuable. They work in tandem. The, the one big factor, though, is that the net people are not servicing the players. They're not directly taking care of the players they're helping the back people be prepared to help the players. So uh, in, for example, a couple nights ago on ESPN, we had Serena Williams. And Rob, that to me was the biggest, best match I could have possibly ever done. Uh, I think of Serena as being the greatest female tennis player of all time and definitely one of the greatest tennis players of all time. 24-time uh, um, major champion, so Grand Slam champion. I uh, I think everybody regards her as probably being the best, at least of our generation. And you were you were throwing her balls. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you use the word plural, but actually it's singular with Serena Williams. And what I mean by that is some players are very particular about how many tennis balls they want to receive each time they turn around. Some players, they put their racket out and you are to place all four, five, or six tennis balls on their racket for them to examine and determine which balls they want to play with. Typically, a player carries one ball in their pocket and then serves the other one. And then they'll feed you back the ones that they don't want to use, and you'll have to hold on to them. But with Serena, 
she only wants to hold one ball and that's the one she's serving. So with her, you've got to pay super close attention because the second that ball in play goes out of play, you've got to be right there to give her a new ball because she's not carrying a second. And then you got to like, so how close did you get to Serena Williams? Like, did you like hand her a ball at one point or is it all bouncing from a distance? Also preference by the player and the situations will dictate that. So at the beginning of a match or beginning of a game or a set, uh, depending if they're using a towel and they kind of come over in your direction, if there's a close proximity, the racket will be extended. My arm will be extended. We try to keep that six feet separation and I place the tennis balls on their racket. In other examples, like with Serena, uh, you would get at times as close as maybe three, four, I'll say five feet probably. Five feet is being uh, probably pretty accurate. And uh, you would not hand her the tennis ball, but you bounce, gently bounce her the tennis ball. So there's skills like bouncing a tennis ball uh, with the appropriate amount of speed, the height, um, all that. Like you have to be spot on with that. You can't be butchering it. You can't be chucking it over their head. And equally with your teammates, your other ball persons, you need to be skilled rollers. We roll the balls to each other. So you've got to, you don't want that ball chopping and bouncing and taking short hops on each other. You've got to get low. You've got to put your hand down and basically roll that thing as fast as you can along the court surface. Um, and then let's talk about my other favorite, probably most favorite component to the job, and that's utilizing your hands in catching tennis balls. So go ahead, Rob, lay it on me. Now, Rick, anybody that grew up with you knew that speed was not your thing, but your hands were. Self-proclaimed best hands in the league while playing in college, while playing, while playing football in high school and college. And, you know, I'm not going to disagree. Your hand-eye coordination and your hands are incredible. So, one, how many balls can you hold in, the, in those mitts? Yeah, I can hold four tennis balls per hand. Typically, obviously, two is pretty standard. So, I'd say some people can hold three. Most people can hold three. Uh, four, you got to have a good-sized mitt. And uh, I have good-sized hands. So, four is my max. And um, yeah, I've got great hands and I've been putting them on display, Rob. Putting them on display is, you know, taking it easy, Rick. I heard you've been uh, borderline showboating over there with the snags you're making. Walk the listeners through vividly one or two snags that you had that were so impressive that the, that the judge from the 10 foot high thing applauded you and that other ball people were just like, damn, that was impressive. Walk us through one or two. All right. So real quick, I'll just a couple of them here. One, we just have to note the speed in which these players are hitting the ball. We can get into this in a little bit. But these, these athletes, I cannot emphasize that word enough. These athletes that are playing tennis are spectacular. Their strength, their precision, it's just incredible. It's mind-blowing to watch this close in person. And sometimes I'm literally on the receiving end of an ace serve. They just pound one right down the line. The tennis player who's supposed to receive the ball either misreads it, has no 
uh, chance in getting it. And because of the angle and the way the ball's coming in, it's coming right at you. And some of these guys, like the other night, Rob, I had one hit my hand 138 miles an hour. Did you catch that? I, I have to admit, I did not catch it. Now, it hit my palm perfectly. So the fact that I had the hand-eye coordination to have lined up my hand in the perfect position, I will just, you know, self-proclaim that that was, that was impressive in of itself. But I did not have the reaction speed and time, nor do I think a lot of people do, to actually close your fingers. Like, so you have your hand open, ball hits palm, and then you, like an alligator jaw, have to snatch your hands closed. Because I try to go one-handed. Two-handed is one thing, you know, and a lot of times you can't even go two-handed because you're holding other tennis balls. So I've really been predominantly focused on one-hand snags. This one was just not to be. It wasn't in the cards. Uh, completely understandable. I mean, this thing would have been just un unfathomable if it had been caught. But I've had a couple ones, Rob. I had one, a high one. It went up in the air. Uh, it went up actually almost up into the bleachers, if you will. So pretty high up. I used my leaping ability and hand-eye coordination to perfectly time the jump and snag it while afterwards I turn around and the umpire, like you said, up in the chair looking like a lifeguard, gives me the, the, the applause. And afterwards, my colleagues, ball persons, they just like couldn't believe it. They said, whoa, where did that come from? And uh, they also just acknowledge that I'm a really great back person because I don't have the speed like the net people do, but my hands are impeccable. Rob, I had another one I'll just say real quick too. Uh, if you could picture this, your left hand is behind your back. It's got two tennis balls in it. So it's basically useless for catching. I had a ball come in one hop really fast on a serve on my left side but my left hand was already preoccupied with two tennis balls. There was no way I could switch the balls to the right hand. So I made the commitment. My right arm quickly darted out from behind. It ranged across my body in a lunging, lunging motion and across body backhand snatched a impressive 102, 103 mile an hour serve by myself, just like that and then calmly brought my hand back behind my back, now holding three balls behind my back, and then play resumed. And I think that had the eyes of a lot of folks. <laughs> wow, pretty amazing. So nice snags there, web gems, if you will. Uh, so memorable experiences or interactions with the players, were there any? And if so, anything cool? Yeah, so here we are very respectful of the players. Um, it's, it's weird, you know, because typically they're just being hounded by, like we said, a million spectators throughout the course of a tournament. But there are no spectators. So it's literally just us, the players, and a few ancillary staff members that are kind of moseying around the properties throughout the day. Um, so we're not really encouraged to be interacting with the players uh, occasionally, unless they approach you, there'll be uh, small, brief conversations. I've had the opportunity to spend time with Coco Golf, uh, her family, uh, 
they're from Florida. She's the 16, 17-year-old phenom. She took this tournament by storm last year. And um, just wonderful, super kind, down to earth. Um, Serena Williams in particular was very intense on the court. Um, all these players, though, have been very gracious, very nice. Uh, some of them have been very comedic at times, um, telling jokes or just making people laugh during the matches, the way they want the tennis balls to them. Um, so we've had just minor interactions. Got a chance to kick it with Mr. McEnroe the other day during a rain delay. Uh, that was kind of cool. Folks from ESPN. And, um, yeah, just a great time here in the bubble. We got two more weeks of this. And, uh, like I said, it's just a phenomenal experience, Rob. Looking forward to making this an annual excursion. Hopefully you can join me next year. I'll be minding the net. I got the speed. Not so much on the hands, but I'll be minding the net if possible. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, let's talk about the swag bags. Talk about the swag for the uh, Masters and then also for the U.S. Open. I heard you just got some pretty sweet, sweet swag. Yeah, so um, let's talk about the first, the Cincinnati Open that um, they hook you up with a nice pair of shoes, uh, two uniforms, and uh, you've got the shirt, the uh, shorts, they give you socks with the logos on them, a couple pairs of those, nice wristbands, uh, a great hat, and uh, that's your uniform. This year we're wearing masks as well because of COVID-19, so uh, those aren't necessarily fashionable, but they're practical and they're keeping people safe. Uh, we get nice water bottles, some uh, hand sanitizers for us, um, but that's basically what we got for the Cincinnati Open. But let's get into the U.S. Open Ralph Lauren polo swag. This stuff, Rob, I got to say, of course, interacting with and being on the courts with the players was what I was super excited about. Number one, it's but let me tell you, the uniform, the outfit, the history, the pizzazz, that that that's a a that's a one a right there for me, Rob. Equally excited about the swag and we just got our polos and our Ralph Lauren and everything you're going to be seeing starting Monday and the stuff is legit it is sick the jackets the shorts the shoes the socks uh, the hat it's all really cool but uniquely for the first time ever something that will be noticed and will be featured on ESPN during the US Open is a partnership with Ralph Lauren Polo and New York's Mount Sinai Hospital. Obviously with COVID-19, um, there's been a lot of uh, unfortunate things that have been taking place in the New York tri-state area, of course, around the world and in, in the country. But at one point, New York was a mecca for the COVID and a lot of doctors were rolling up their sleeves doing a lot of great work. So what they decided to do was recognize many of these doctors from Mount Sinai Hospital. So instead of having the flashy, flamboyant, colorful, traditional Ralph Lauren polo top that the ball persons always wear, this year they toned down the colors, they toned down the colors, and what they did was they made it all gray, and it looks good, on the back, though, is where something special is located. And that is the names of all the different doctors from Mount Sinai Hospital. 
So on the back of mines, I've got one that says Domingo. I've got another one that says Fisher. There's all different names on all different ball persons uniforms. And what you'll be seeing on ESPN and on television and reading about online over the next couple of weeks is many of these doctors, their stories, and how they were heroes during this uh, crisis. So very cool by everybody to come together and collaborate. Uh, I just am honored to be a part, a small part of it. And uh, thanks to all of our frontline workers out there. Yeah. Thank you for all of our frontline uh, workers out there. Thank you for the Brothers Brand Faithful and, you know, exciting times. This is part one of the life of the U.S. ball person. Uh, we're not sure how many parts we're going to roll out. Might be a three or four part series, depending on how it goes. We'll recap some of the games, <laughs> some of the action plays. Um, but, you know, Rick and I have a nice date going on Sunday, hitting the golf course, going to little Beth Page Black. So the brothers brand are hitting the links. We're going to have a great time. Be on the lookout for that on Instagram. Anyway, I'm signing off. My name is Rob Brandt. And I'm Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. All right, stay safe, everybody. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com.